0: Now, the mild hot take here, the mild sauce take here, is BYU is going to start the season 3-0. They're going to they beat, beat Arkansas. Arkansas. They're going to beat Arkansas okay. and be 3-0 Sam and Hughes ranked. BYU, my mild hot take. At up. Arkansas. BYU will start, start the season 3-0 and be ranked after they beat Arkansas.
1: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off... Here's the double coverage interview of the week.
0: It is time for a Maddich Tuesday with ESPN College Football Insider, expert, analyst, and all-around good man Trevor Maddich joining us now once again on BYU Sports Nation. Trevor, happy post-college football season day. And frankly, after how bad the game was last night, I'm ready to look ahead. How are you
2: feeling? Uh, I'm feeling great, and it was only bad if you don't love <laughs> domination, and greatness. It wasn't competitive at all, but holy smokes, Georgia, what a what a finish.
0: Unbelievable performance by Georgia. So let's just go ahead and start there before we take on BYU and pushing ahead to 2023. Has Georgia supplanted Alabama as the clear number one in college
2: football? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they've they won two in a row. And what's more impressive is that, They lost 15 guys to the NFL draft off of last year's Georgia National Championship team. All they did was reload, go undefeated again, win the National Championship again in dominating fashion. And that was really the big question for Georgia, is could they sustain it? Getting there is hard, but sustaining it is even harder. I mean, you go back to 2017, and they played Alabama in the National Championship game and led in overtime until Tua Tunga-Vailoa threw that amazing magic touchdown pass to snatch the national championship away from Georgia. The next year, Georgia's leading Alabama in the SEC championship game late, and Jalen Hurts as a backup came off the bench to lead the game-winning drive in the fourth quarter for Alabama. Then last year, they lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game, and it's like, we just can't get past Alabama. But then a few months later, they beat Alabama in the national championship game last year. So the question is, okay, so you got there. Can you sustain it? And after losing all those players to the draft this year, they got right back and did it again in dominating fashion. That's not just a great team. That's a great program.
3: And if Ohio State makes a field goal, this is a totally different conversation. But that's how the game rolls, which is what TCU did. (laughs) They won all these one-score games, right, to get there. But college football is officially over. We now look ahead to next year. We were talking about some of our hot takes relative to BYU way too early because it's January 10th. What's your hot take with BYU football looking ahead to 2023?
2: there will be tremendous excitement in BYU football. The offense will pick up where it left off this year, actually, and probably be a little bit better, I think. Wow. And because of those young receivers and because of an exciting running back room, Miles Davis and the rest of them. I mean, There's some real excitement with the skilled players. I think the defense will generate a lot of excitement. I think they'll give up some big plays. But with their new style of attacking – It'll be a different experience for BYU fans instead of sitting there watching BYU's defense sort of read and react and kind of keep everything in front of them. They're going to see BYU's defense dictate to the other side. Sometimes the Cougars will win. Sometimes they'll go over the top. But either way, it'll be a whole lot of fun. And I think this is going to be a a tremendous season, and I think it'll be a bowl season.
0: Trevor Maddich is with us on BYU Sports Station for a Maddich Tuesday. Keaton Slovis is the clear number one guy at quarterback coming in for his final year as a grad transfer. BYU has just added Jake Retzlaff, 6'2", 200 pounds, out of Riverside City College. He's a three-star, but more important than Trevor, he's the number one rated Juco quarterback coming out of the state of California. BYU feels like he could be a guy for sure. How does this impact the quarterback's room, not just next year, but for years moving forward?
2: Well, welcome to both of them. And it, it creates talent, of course, but it creates depth. That's something that BYU hasn't really had to the degree that they've needed it in that quarterback room. I mean, when you look at Jared Hall last year, even when he was banged up, he still played, you know? And so you didn't really have a whole lot of contribution from the backups. And that could be injury. It could be other things. I'm not casting aspersions on the, on the backup quarterbacks from the 2022 season. Just to say that from a standpoint of starter, they're in great shape Assuming Keaton Slovis wins the job, he's got to come in and win it now. And then now, with his transfer, they're also in much more healthy shape from a standpoint of of depth. And that's critical going into the Big 12, because all of a sudden, with that Power 5 schedule, they need to make sure that in, in every position, especially the most critical ones, quarterback, that they've got the depth to be able to handle guys getting banged up.
3: Last year, Stetson Bennett didn't begin as the starter. Uh, This year, Max Duggan didn't begin as the starter. So you certainly need a backup to be ready, just in case. Baylor-Romney was uh, the backup on a 10-3 BYU team last year. BYU didn't have Baylor-Romney. It was 8-5. I'm not saying it's all Baylor, but certainly you need a a capable backup. When we push ahead to this fall and BYU in the Big 12, and certainly we hope and expect uh, reportedly the Big 12 schedule out in the next couple of weeks, is it fair to expect more than a bowl game for BYU football this fall. Just make a bowl is the expectation.
2: You know, make a bowl is a good expectation because everything will be new. The schedule will be more relentlessly difficult, and and if they make a bowl game, I think you could say, hey, that's a good starting point. Uh, I think if they get to seven or eight wins, it'll be pretty phenomenal, and it's possible they could do more than that. We'll see. I don't want to put a ceiling on them, but I do think BYU fans can be so excited and they can generate expectations that might not be fair, and then they set themselves up for disappointment. So I think right now, Bull would be a good season. Seven or eight wins would be a phenomenal season, and I think that's where the expectations need to be set from the outside. On the inside, their expectation is to win every game, every single game, because every week that's what they plan to do.
0: Trevor, BYU, from a Cougars in the NFL standpoint, feels – just about as relevant as ever. In fact, yesterday we asked, is this the most relevant BYU has ever been in the NFL? Jeremy and I agree, you got to go back to 1987 to look at just the sheer number of players that BYU had across the league based on the powerhouse teams, including the national championship team that you were a part of. But where do you stand in that conversation in terms of how relevant BYU is in the NFL and, and how that stacks up all time?
2: Well, you, you go back to kind of that era you're talking about. You've got Bart Oates at center snapping to Steve Young at quarterback, winning Super Bowls. That, that, that is something that uh, that is you know pretty high up there from a standpoint of BYU's relevance in the NFL. But at the same time, you've got Andy Reid coaching the Chiefs now, the Super Bowl victories, and all the great things that they're doing in Kansas City. And then when you look at the, the running backs now, Jamal Williams in, in Detroit, just Broke Barry Sanders' single season Lions touchdown record, and he led the league in rushing touchdowns, for goodness sake. And so he's fantastic. And the fact that he's such a character, he just has so much fun, and he's not afraid to have fun in kind of a button down age. I think that's a lot of fun. Tyler Algier in uh, Atlanta went over a thousand yards as a rookie uh, running back for the first time ever in the history of the Falcons franchise. And the guy is just, he's just a bulldozer. I mean, Bill Connolly, who's a who's a prolific sports writer, says that he might even be the best running back in the NFL. That, that might be a little bit of a stretch, but to be in that conversation is fantastic. Bill Barnwell of ESPN.com has Tyler Algier as number three for Offensive Rookie of the Year. And his own teammates are talking about how hard he runs and how much they respect the way Tyler Algier approaches the game. And then, of course, Taysom Hill in um, New Orleans has done things that just... Aren't done. I mean, since the merger, nobody besides Taysom Hill, I believe, (laughs) has rushed, passed, and thrown for 10 touchdowns, right? And so you put all these things together with the fact that these guys have a joy for the game that just pops off the screen. It sets them apart. It breaks through besides just being great players on the field. I think that does make BYU relevant in the NFL. And that's important for recruits. And of course, then you've got the standbys, you know, Fred Warner, linebacker for the 49ers (laughs) captain and alpha among alphas. Right. And then Kyle Van Noy with the chargers. I mean, you can go through and name a whole bunch of, of players that are great players that are great football character guys that recruits will look at and say, hey, look at all these BYU guys excelling in the NFL. BYU can get me to the NFL. And that with NIL, those are two of the most important things for recruits as they look uh, at what school they want to go to. And BYU is being so well represented right now by its, its alumni in the league.
1: That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
0: What's Trending presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. Learn more at bodyguards.com. The BYU quarterback room now taking solid shape with Keaton Slovis as the projected number one coming in as the grad transfer and the addition of Jake Retzloff, huge arm, number one rated juco quarterback out of California, to probably learn for a year and then be the guy for years two and three, of BYU in the Big 12? perhaps. Maybe. Jerem, what do you think? What does the BYU 2023 quarterback room look like now, and what are the expectations for this room?
3: Yeah, first I want to talk about Jake for a sec. Um, you, you mentioned it, but, yeah, exciting. Um, we've alluded to this uh, over the last couple weeks that this could happen. Here it is finally with uh, Jake. Retzloff, uh, excited to have him. He's got a unique kind of arm angle, can sling it. He can also rush it pretty well, right? Um, He rushed for 500 yards last year at Riverside. Before that, he was at Golden West. So, Juco guy the last two years, trying to get at a a D1 program. Now he enters a Power 5 team with BYU as a guy who's going to compete for the starting spot right away with Keaton. You'd think Keaton's the guy, of course, given his experience at USC and Pitt. Um, we We can just pencil in. Keaton right there, unless we're surprised and otherwise. But Jake comes in and he competes probably for that backup spot. And the redshirt rules are different now. The hope is that Jake can redshirt next year. Yes. Because he can play up to four. A bowl game doesn't count against those four, by the way, so it's kind of four plus bowl um, if need be. And he certainly has uh, the numbers to do it. You like the Juco history, certainly with Sark in the 90s. He's not had a ton of Juco guys per se, but he comes in and has an opportunity to – Step into a program where BYU's going to sling it. And Aaron Roderick develops quarterbacks. And he's really excited about Jake. And so I love how he fits into the room, which looks like this, perhaps, going into the fall in no particular order. Keaton Slovis from Pitt. Jake Retzloff from Riverside uh, uh, City College. Cade Fenigan returns. We haven't seen Cade play yet. Ryder Burton from Springville, who apparently already knows the playbook, according to Aaron Roderick. <laughs> uh, Bull J. Myava Peters. Yep. Perhaps Nick Bellups. We'll see. With walk-ons, it can be, um, you know, in flux. Who knows? Um, And then there is another transfer who's a preferred walk-on from an Ivy League school, whose brother's going to play here in a couple years. I can't say his name, but I've given you all the clues that you could possibly need. Who won two state titles? That's
0: seven quarterbacks.
3: Yeah, I don't think BYU keeps seven, so someone probably goes. But um, excited about that room. Excited about the future. Excited about the media the most, though. Because um, if the present isn't good, um, you certainly build for the future. But this isn't like a, oh, crap, we don't know who the quarterback is. I feel like BYU feels pretty confident about this group. Keaton certainly leads the charge. Yep. Then there'll be a competition between Jake and Cade and Ryder and company for that number two spot.
0: Keaton Slovis is the dude. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go on record and say that. He's, yeah, he's the guy. He's going to start. I'm, he's going to be the I'm dude. I'm just giving
3: Throne Jake a bone. Abs- absolutely. Uh, you don't bring him in to not be the no. guy.
0: Keaton Slovis is the dude, and I love the scenario for Jake Retzloff that he can come into a new system with Aaron Roderick, who has now a history of developing solid quarterbacks. I know it's solid, only two than that. elite yeah. quarterbacks, right? If you play in the NFL, yeah. you get drafted, that's worth that's worthy of My the number
4: two pick E is word, elite. right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, I love the scenario for a three-star and Retzloff to come and learn the system while he watches an experienced guy like Keaton Slovis, and then just maybe he does play in a few games. Hopefully it's not necessary, but maybe BYU's blowing out a team. Let's throw him in there. Let him play four games. Let him get some reps with the offense uh, and do his thing, and then he can still redshirt and be the dude for BYU in 2024 and 2025. Things always happen fast with the transfer portal, so that, I mean, that's we're, why we're, we're I am... kidding ourselves if we think, like, oh, it's locked in for sure, because no, if somebody becomes available and it's a big-time quarterback and all of a sudden they want to play at BYU because now Keaton Slovis has a great year and BYU has now placed Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall and Keaton Slovis into the NFL, then this becomes an, a, an attractive destination yes. spot. But I'm okay with this, Jerem. Yeah. Bring in all these great quarterbacks to compete with each yes. other. And do your thing. It makes everybody better. I like Jake. I think he will be the starting quarterback at BYU at some point. Based on what I've heard from Aaron Roderick and from the recruiters, they are super high on this dude, and they fully anticipate that he will be a starting quarterback at BYU at some point.
3: Yeah, he, he seems like he could be the guy next year, meaning 24. Um, but who knows what happens. Like, yeah, I, yeah, just assimilate talent, develop them, be ready. Because if you're Max Duggan, you know who you were um, going at this point last year? You were a backup. And then you end up leading your team all the way to the national title game. Now, they get creamed in that. But you had an incredible season. Like, you need to be ready. Stetson Bennett transferred to a Juco away from Georgia when he lost the job. Uh, Or he wasn't even the starter. He wasn't in the mix. No, he wasn't even
0: even close. You
3: just need, like, who knows? Is that, uh, you know, Cade Finnegan right now? Who knows? But the the idea of you need multiple guys, you need to be ready. Like, what was BYU missing last year that probably didn't help them as much against uh, Notre Dame and ECU? It's that they didn't have a backup that they trusted enough to give the ball when Jaron Hall got hurt.
0: And that's the thing I love most about this. Yes,
3: when Jaron, to his credit, played through it, but he had to because BYU didn't have Baylor Romney. They didn't want to give the ball to Jacob Conover in that situation against Notre Dame or Cade Fennegan quite yet, right? So the, but they would have given it to Baylor. They would have given it to Baylor, I believe, in that situation. And clearly they, they had shown as much previously with a few other injured Jaron Hall moments. Now this year, it's like you just don't know what's going to happen. You can assume almost nothing relative to health or effectiveness. You hope Keaton Slovis balls out, throws for 3,500 and 35 touchdowns is a second or third round pick next year. And we go, dude, that was awesome. Now we go to the next guy. But you don't know who the next guy is. Just just get him in the room, get him here, and see what happens. Because Aaron Roderick has shown, when, when he's not handcuffed at that school up north offensively, he's come down here and he's really flourished. Like, if I'm a Utah fan, I'm like, oh, gosh, we could have been doing this with a Why didn't we let him do this? They didn't let him do it. Um, they didn't let him kind of be a, be a peacock. I got to fly! <laughs> um, to quote one of the most underrated movies, The Other Guys. And now Jake Retzloff is here. We'll see what he can do. Uh 6-2-200. Can sling it, can run it, kind of a dual threat option there. Um, I'm excited, man. Ryder Burton's probably the one going, don't, don't sleep on me either, though I would love for Ryder to redshirt and then sort of compete in the next couple of yes. years. But, and then you continue to bring in other guys. There's some other high-profile recruits in next year's class that BYU is excited about for 24 and so on and so forth. So keep it going because if, if you have a really good quarterback at BYU, you give yourself a chance, especially in a new Power 5 League, where BYU is going to face something it's never faced, which is 10 Power 5 teams a year.
0: The word that comes to mind in all of this, as it pertains to Aaron Roderick, is more freedom. Freedom. To not have to carefully craft your play calling sheet so that you can keep Jaron Hall healthy because you don't... Otherwise... You, you don't can't problem. afford to lose your starter. I'm not saying that Jake Retzloff is the answer if Kaden Slovis gets hurt, heaven forbid. But there's more freedom there, mentally, yeah. for sure.
3: He had to change the New Mexico Bowl to be a run-based
0: play call. 100%. Like,
3: like it was super unique, right? Yes, and um, that, was a,
0: that was a call late in the week. They made that decision on Thursday. And
3: that was, well, weeks leading up, they probably had a sense, right, that they if it's Sol Soljay, we got to do this. I don't think on Thursday Aaron was like, oh, crap, I have to change all well, the plays.
0: Sorry, so what I'm but, saying is, like, on Thursday they made the decision to go with yeah. Sol Soljay over Cade. Yeah.
3: And against SMU, certainly a little easier than when you're going against certain uh, you know, Big 12 defenses that may offer up more three- and four-star talent, some five-star, right? It'll be harder to <laughs> tailor that. But now, yeah, I agree. Yeah, freedom's a good word Freedom. for Freedom. It, where it's like, okay, I have experience, I have young and talented, I have sort of raw out of high school slash unproven.
0: Well, even Cade like Kate he's, and, he's been in the program for a while. like yeah. He knows the offense now.
3: And that's the hope. I, I, like We're hoping first-year guys are really impactful on this team because Cade's the only one looking around going, wait, am I the only one really in the mix to play here who's been here? That experience is certainly valuable and will aid him, especially in spring ball. But like, coming out of spring, I would love to, for us to feel like, okay, we know it's Keaton won and then – Whoever, too, if that's Jake or Kate or maybe Ryder is amazing. I don't know. We'll see. This is exciting. When BYU has been really good at quarterback, that player has had to wait a little bit to get their turn. Zach was the exception where he started midway through his freshman year. But in the 80s and 90s when you have these great quarterbacks, they didn't get thrown in the mix. They sat for at least a year. So we'll see what happens with these guys. All right. Uh, Obviously, Keaton gets thrown in right away.
0: Absolutely. He's the dude. There's freedom. There's freedom for the play caller to not have to carefully protect the starter. Like, just call the game, be aggressive, and see what happens.
3: And we used to go, hey, we got this quarterback, Sweet, in 26, he's the guy. You don't, you don't know. People transfer. Yeah. Like, didn't we think Conover was going to be the future of BYU? He's in Arizona State. Like, you just never know. Okay, topic two. What is your way-too-early hot take now that the 2022 season's <laughs> over for the 23 BYU football season?
0: Two answers came to mind initially. Like, right when I presented the question this morning, I was like, okay, I'd probably go with one, BYU is going to have a better offense this year than they did last that's year. That's hot. Yep. Like, that was the number the one offense, thing. W- uh, and it's, it's hot because you got a quarterback coming in. The, you just don't know. We're hoping that Keaton Slow is Quarterbacks. Right? You got, you're bringing in now multiple quarterbacks with the addition of Brett Slough. to left. watch them. Yeah. Uh, that's my number one hot take. BYU's offense will be better in 2023, statistically speaking. What is
3: better to you? Like, what, what are you thinking?
0: better red zone scoring, um, more total yards per game, more points is number one. Like, BYU's offense is going to score more yeah. points and be better in terms of total yards, better red zone than they were this year. That is a super hot take. Okay, yeah. now the mild hot take here, the mild sauce take here, is BYU's is going to start the season 3-0. They're going to they beat, they Ar- beat Arkansas. They're going to beat Arkansas Kay. and be 3-0 Houston, and ranked.
3: Southern Utah. Yes.
0: BYU, Arkansas. my mild hot take. At Arkansas. BYU will start, start the season 3-0 and be ranked after they beat Arkansas.
3: KJ Jefferson's back for Arkansas. BYU's got Keaton Slovis walking in 2-0, presumptively. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Okay, my, I like those. I like those. Uh, mine is that BYU wins eight games. They okay. just come out and they go, mm. eight, eight, at least eight wins, right? Because right now my realistic kind of expectation is, Let's just get to a bowl game. If you win half your regular season games, are you even that good? But it's relative strength. Like we're walking, we being BYU football, into a new weight room at trying to get the same amount of reps up with more weight on, right? Mm-hmm. Tougher schedule. Um, we don't know that schedule quite yet. But despite not knowing, even if we said we got the nine easiest teams, like the four hardest weren't even on the schedule, I would still say Make a bowl game in year one to try and figure it out. It's a brand new defensive staff. It's a brand new defense. You're bringing in a bunch of guys on the D-line. You're bringing in some new quarterbacks. There's a lot of unknown there. That doesn't mean that you're going to stink or be great. I just don't know what it's going to be. Last year, we walked into the season feeling like we knew exactly what BYU was going to be, that they were going to win nine or ten games, and we were wrong. They got close, but Jaron Hall's shoulder gets hurt, and BYU didn't have a – Backup they trust, and the defense is
0: worse than we thought. The running game is not what we thought it would be. It wasn't as effective. Injuries coming to play with Puka Nakua.
3: All of it. Yes, Puka was a big one. All of it. But that's the beauty of sport is that we don't actually know what's going to happen. Spoiler alert, we don't actually know what's going to happen. The true reality television. Still
0: five hours a it's week. It's reality television. No, but
3: I love that because you think you know one thing that's different, but, but that's awesome. Um, and I'm excited to see what this looks like for BYU, what the schedule is, how BYU handles it. Can BYU stay relatively healthy? Can the Cougars go and do something they haven't done, which is, okay, now we're a P5 team. We become this stronger, better team. We've recruited a higher level. We, these transfers are effective. We get a pass rush. We get some more sacks. The defense has got Malik Moore has like five picks or whatever. Back healthy, leading the back end of that defense. Duh, duh, duh. Aiden Robbins running for 1K. Keaton doing his thing. A lot of new faces, coaching staff, players. It's gonna be fun, man. It's January 10th, but can we play already? Yeah. We, can we just Sam
0: Houston? Can, dun, 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 dun. can we play already? Can we start BYU's 3 and 0 campaign? <laughs> yes. To where they get rain. We think it's 2 and 0 at least. 3 and 0 would be
3: amazing.
1: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: Cougar Whip Round presented by Mariske, your e commerce logistics shipping partner. All right, Jay Hill is hard at work, my friend. All the time, apparently. Even on vacation, the defensive coordinator's daughter supplied some outstanding content for us. First, this TikTok video showing that Coach Hill at Disney is not like (laughs) any other person at Disney. Always on the phone, looking at recruits, talking to recruits. This is just another day at the office while his family vacations. This is is like the ultimate dad moment, right? Got to work, but you want to take your family to Disneyland. Then there is this that his daughter Ashton, one of our former students and an outstanding employee sent in yesterday, pointing out her dad's Disney artistic abilities. How about that? He's a good artist. And the drawings of Goofy and then one from Lilo and Stitch. Is that what those are? Amazing. Okay. What's more impressive? Jay Hill at Disneyland as the recruiter or Jay Hill at Disneyland as the artist?
3: I appreciate hard work. Uh, I do like the, uh, the drawings. It's not easy to be artistically gifted. It's so, not. Uh, and, and as someone who is, I'm just a terrible artist. Like I'm terrible at that. That's impressive.
0: The free hand of Goofy is really, really impressive. He probably traced it. He like I, traced that's it. That's fantastic. But I'm going to lean towards just like, his, just the want to, to be on the phone. Like in the rain, doesn't matter. Like he's just on the phone. He's checking things out. I love that video. I thought that was really fun. Maybe we should give it to his daughter like for filming him doing that. That's impressive. That's pretty easy. That's fun.
3: Zach Wilson addressed the media yesterday was adamant that he hasn't given up on New York and the Jets. Do you expect him to be the Jets starter in Week 1 next year?
0: Strangely, I do. Yes, because I think they're stubborn. Give him one more chance. I think they're stubborn. And and he crushes it in practice? Yeah. Absolutely. So I I expect him to be the starter for the Jets in Week 1, and it's going to be a wild offseason.
3: I don't know what to expect. Uh, If I'm the Jets and I've got that good of a defense and hopefully Brees Hall coming back, I want to make sure my starting QB puts us in a position to make the playoffs. Is that Zach? We certainly hope around here it is.
0: Unless it's Jimmy Garoppolo and they can convince him to go to New York, but why would you go to New York if you're Jimmy Garoppolo?
3: Why? Because you have a defense ready to get in the playoffs? I think they're playoff ready. They just need a quarterback.
0: All right. Hopefully it's Zach. The Gonzaga BYU men's basketball game on Thursday is officially sold out. What kind of atmosphere do you expect at the Marriott Center on Thursday night for a BYU team that's not like they've been in recent years and Gonzaga's not what they haven't been in the last few years? I
3: think it's going to be nuts. This is an end of an era. It's the final home game as a member of the WCC against Gonzaga. I I don't know that BYU is going to ever play Gonzaga again outside of like the NCAA tournament or in Maui or something, right? Um, I, I think it's going to be really fun. I think it's going to be one of those nights, man.
0: It's Gonzaga. They're a top 10 team. It's the last time they'll play in the Marriott Center. Students are back, back in school. school this week. Students are back. Yeah. It's going to be electric.
3: It's electric.
0: This is electric.
3: Seth Davis wrote an article for The Athletic asking if it was possible that every Big 12 men's basketball team make the NCAA tournament. Is it? Of
0: course it's possible. Texas Tech is the one team out. Let's say Texas Tech has a few big wins. And you think they'll have opportunities to big win? (laughs) Big 12. (laughs) I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to get eight or nine. But, yeah, it's possible if Texas Tech wins some big games.
3: Lenardi has, yeah, nine of the ten. No Texas Tech. I don't think it's possible. I think um, just league play, a few of them get sort of eliminated. But, you have more teams that could have a losing record in league able to get in the NCAA yeah. tournament than others. As good as it was last year, six of the 10 made
0: it. It's tough because you cannibalize each other's chances. Yeah, right, right
3: now it looks like that, but it won't in uh, early March.
0: Nine of 10 would be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. BYU men's volleyball back in the rankings, number 13 this week in the ABCA poll. Is it now time to increase our expectations?
3: No, uh, if BYU is outside of the top five, they're not up to standard. Honestly, the standard is so high. Um, and you have teams in the top 15 poll that have losing records later in the year. 13, while it's cool to be back ranked, honestly, it doesn't really matter. Um, and next week, BYU play Fairleigh Dickinson, Before 4-0. Maybe they go up. Even if BYU was like eighth, it's still below the standard of the program. This team's still going to figure it out this year, maybe next year.
0: No, my expectations remain BYU to finish probably fifth in league and just inside the top 15. Like they're um, so they're basically right yeah. on par. Yeah, with yeah.
3: What I expect. I'm more concerned about MPSF finish than ABCA poll ranking this year.
0: For sure. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay. At sports card backs <laughs> tweeted the back of Greg Kite's 1990 NBA card. Of course, BYU legend. What's the best part about this?
0: Uh, his haircut. <laughs> it's
3: incredible.
0: And mustache. Yes. What a handsome man you are, Greg. He's a he's a great dude, and he watches the show regularly from lives in Florida, uh, Florida right? yeah. with his family. That's awesome. Love this, love that picture. But the hair and the stash are certainly the top are top tier for me in this card.
3: Two things: we had these cards growing up. I yes. still have them. I love these. Um, and then the fact that uh, you know Greg's daughter came to BYU, and we were in a class. They were like, "Okay, get to know someone by blah, blah blah." Found out she was Greg kite's daughter and she goes you know who my dad was and i was like yeah Yeah, we know timer here that's like an 05 i'm a freshman or whatever she was like shocked that i knew who gregory fuller kite was yes and these cards by the way this is how we knew stats this is how we knew hometowns height weight college averages these were
0: our pokemon cards pokemon
3: Yeah, that's how we knew it. I
0: love those guys. I love that it. it says, college, Brigham Young. Brigham Young. Yeah. Also, remember, he was the 21st pick overall.
3: I know. I have forgotten that part. There you awesome. go. Awesome. Back when BYU had NBA draft picks. That was awesome.
1: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
0: She is a viral internet superstar, a sensation. She's bringing Barbie back to the gymnastics world with her Barbie girl routine. Rebecca Bean <laughs> Ripley, welcome to BYU Sports Nation.
5: Thank you.
4: <laughs> How's it going?
5: It's going good. How are you doing? We're
4: doing good. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're nice having the lounge portion of our set. Yes. So I know. We'll bring this is some more so d'oeuvres great. out here in just a couple of minutes. Oh. Uh, but as you get into this season, One meet down, you got a big one on Friday. Yeah, Um, and and you're kind of the thing. You're kind of the rage with gymnastics. Oh, I wouldn't say
5: that. Thanks. Oh, you are. Social media says that. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. You're a viral sensation. So, how would you explain your life over the past few days after debuting your awesome Barbie girl floor routine?
5: Honestly, just like so much love. Like I can't even describe it. Like so many people just saying that they're happy for me and that they're proud of me and it honestly just like, it warms my heart and it makes me so happy.
4: Did you expect it? I mean, everyone, um, <laughs> Barbie's pretty well known. And so when you do a Barbie routine.
5: I mean, my, my teammates and my coaches, they're all like, oh, you're going to go viral. But I mean, I didn't, I don't know, necessarily think that for sure happened, but I'm not mad about it. <laughs>
0: hey, you're here. We saw Shannon Evans a few years ago
4: do oh this my gosh, with amazing. her Super Mario routine, yes, right?
5: Yes, incredible.
4: As we watch this, is it stressful or are you having a good time?
5: I'm having a good time. To be honest, in this first meet I was like so nervous. I've never been so nervous, but it was the first time I've competed since my first ACL tear back in 2019. So it's been a long time, so I was very nervous. Well,
0: you've had <laughs> two ACL tears, right? Yes,
5: and a meniscus. So three knee surgeries while I've been here.
0: Okay, so are you, you're feeling good, right?
5: I feel incredible. I feel great. Because <laughs> you look
0: you look in the routine like it, things are at an elite level right now. Thanks. It, it, it's fantastic. <laughs> so. My first question, I guess, in terms of the routine, is how long did it take you to master the movements, almost the robot-like movements of a Barbie doll?
5: I mean, we've been working on this routine. Me and my coach Brogan, she's incredible. She helped me choreograph it. We worked together. She's amazing. But it's been in the process since last summer, so like a year and a half. It's been a really long time. It takes a lot of work that goes into these routines, but it's really fun.
4: (laughs) It takes a lot of discipline to come back from an injury yeah is that kind of discipline that you take into a routine like this because it takes a lot of discipline just to do the robotic movements
5: i mean absolutely it just sometimes a routine takes longer than others this one took especially long like you know working with the music we pulled so many different songs into it and we worked together and to make something come to life and it was really great
0: (laughs) when you see people magazine an ESP. That
5: was crazy. Pick this up. That yeah. What, 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 what's going through your mind? I'm like, why are you guys writing about me? <laughs> I didn't even hit my routine as well as I do in practice. So like, I want them to pick it up once I do that. Oh, <laughs> They will.
4: They're onto you now.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the publicity is there and we're going to see yeah. it at the best of Utah meet. You mentioned that you were so nervous, but you yeah. got that first one out of the way. So how do you feel now, knowing that you've done it once and you're going to do it a bunch of times the rest of the season?
5: I mean, I feel so much better. I'm hoping that it was just, you know, first meet jitters, getting them out of the way. And, I mean, I love competing. I love it so much, and I've missed it for the last few years. And so I'm, I'm just excited. I'm so excited to compete this season.
4: Let me ask you a psychological question as you compete within yourself. Yeah. When you tear your ACL twice, yeah. the same knee, mm-hmm. how do you convince yourself that, it's not going to tear again. You can do these flips and land, and yeah. and focus on that. Having gone through the the pain and anguish of that, <laughs> how do you how do you how have you fought through that?
5: Honestly, it's something that you can't control. All I know that is like everything that I can control is something I've done. I've done all the rehab, all the physical therapy, the icing. Like I've made myself so much stronger. And I really think that my knees are stronger than ever. It's it's a bionic knee now. (laughs) Yes, it is. And you know, like whatever happens, like, I don't know that that's up to God. Like that's in God's hands. I've I've done my part. And so that gives me peace of mind. So
4: you just, it's just not out of sight, out of mind.
5: I mean, kind of, it's there a little bit. I get a little nervous, but I've controlled what I can control.
4: I'm yeah,
0: glad you said
5: great.
4: bionic knee
0: because Kyle <laughs> Collinsworth, the former BYU basketball yeah. player, tore his ACL, went yeah. on to play a stint in the NBA and had a nice European league uh, you know, run as well. But he said the same thing. He's like, you know what? I have the bionic knee now. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> I'm good. Okay. Uh the best of Utah meet is tomorrow. This yes. is a fantastic meet. And I think nationally, an underrated meet because yeah. you get the Red Rocks and yeah. Southern Utah is really good. Utah State's really good. Obviously BYU has had a nice run over the last four or five years with Guard Young as the coach. Yeah. But you did come off a meet as a team that was a little bit disappointing yeah. to score. Yeah. So what do you expect in tomorrow when you compete in the best of Utah?
5: I mean, we're just going to, you know, be much more focused as a team and really, like, attack what we're doing. And I think we're going to do a lot better this meet. I'm hoping the first meet for everyone is just a little bit of jitters. This time, we've got a little bit more focus. We've worked really hard this last week, and we're going to do really good at this meet.
4: How far is this program away from beating the Red Rocks?
5: Oh, man, I don't know. Utah's amazing. (laughs) (laughs)
4: They've been that way for a long, long time. Uh, There are cycles in sports.
5: Yeah, that's And, and true. this
4: program has been getting better and better and better. Yeah. How how, how can you close the gap?
5: Um, honestly, just all, all we can do is keep working hard and keep doing everything that we can. It would be incredible to beat Utah. That would be like a dream come true.
0: Hey, why not? That, why That's, not? you know. <laughs> dreams happen. That's what <laughs> dreams are for, for sure. <laughs> Rebecca Ripley is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Now, I know that the best of Utah is fully on the mind as far as competition goes tomorrow. But then a week from tomorrow... There is a daddy-daughter date night set up for the first home meet of the season when you take on Boise State. Walk us through the evolution of that event and what you expect with uh, the first home meet a week from tomorrow.
5: I mean, I think it's going to be so special. It's, you know, daddy-daughter date night, so dads should bring their daughters, and our dads are going to come, and they're going to walk us out. And I just, I see it as being just a very wholesome, fun meet for people to come to and enjoy. So, you guys should
4: come. Go. <laughs> You're going to cry. Are you an emotional person? In that I
5: sense am sense? an emotional person. I could cry.
4: <laughs> the Barbie girl routine will be on full display tomorrow night.
5: Yeah, That's the yeah. plan, yeah. Let's go. Let's
4: go. <laughs> you know what I see? I see in the future. Barbie and that franchise and an NIL. Name, name, image, and likeness. I've been
5: manifesting this for months. That's (laughs) my dream.
4: (laughs) This is a business plan. Yes,
5: Well done.
4: That is awesome.
0: Rebecca, uh, when athletes come on the show from BYU, we give them BYU Sports Nation karma. So you're going to be awesome tomorrow.
5: I'll take it. Just deal with it.
0: (laughs) And we can't wait to watch you compete in the best of Utah.
5: Thank you so much. (laughs) Nice to meet you. Good to have you here. Nice to meet you,
1: too. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
0: I'm Spencer Linton. This is Jason Shepard. We're protecting the house and protecting the brand, as I mentioned, with the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell, joining us in studio. Greg, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Good morning. It is a good morning. Yeah, It's always good to talk with you. And before we get to basketball, we were just talking about the transfer portal for BYU football specifically. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's Essentially broken even at this point. Are you feeling like BYU is a net gain, a net loss at this point in the transfer portal?
6: It feels kind of even right now with TBD. We don't really know until we've seen them, you know, perform how it all turns out. But it feels like BYU's done pretty well. Uh, I, I, you know, there's two huge offensive line losses. I mean, the Barrington brothers were, were big gets when BYU got them. And I think there was even more excitement for, for Campbell that, than for Clark, who was great in his own right. And, and to lose Bowles is a blow. Um, and and you know besides the losses you'll have to graduation or to the draft, uh, sure. you lose a lot of the O line. Now BYU's gone and found some O right? That they've at least uh, they've at least picked up two. Um, who knows if there's more to come? But it, uh, they they hit a need there. Uh, clearly they had to hit quarterback, and they did that. Um, yeah, it feels like BYU did about as well as they could do for the time being. And let's see how it all shakes out.
7: So in terms of, of needs, because we mentioned there's still another week left of this window, then there's one that opens up after spring. So you have opportunities still to be able to, to maneuver around. But in terms of needs, is, is it f- solely focused on the offensive line right now? Or is there, is there another area that, that you would, would look at and say, hey, maybe that's something to identify?
6: I, I don't know. It feels to me like O-line depth probably needs the most work right now. Because you, you didn't just lose starters. You lost, you know, the, 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 there's some depth issues as well. Uh, behind the top five they had had a really good top seven eight last year I thought Um, so probably there Um, I don't know I don't know what Jay Hill has in mind uh, in terms of what he really thinks he needs on the defensive side of the ball I think you know Kelly Papinga bringing a couple of Boise State players uh, down from the D-line where he had a pretty um, solid overview last year um, shows that that's where he paid some dividends. Um, yeah, I, I think BYU's in a pretty solid spot right now.
0: Sure. Let's talk quarterbacks. Jake yeah. Retzloff is in from Riverside Community College, number one JUCO quarterback in the state of California. What do you think of the BYU quarterbacks' room now with Keaton Slovis, probably the number one, and then Jake Retzloff brought in to push him and then maybe right. be the guy for the future.
6: I think that's exactly how, it's, how you just spelled it out is what they're expecting. You don't bring in Keaton Slovis without the expectation of him being your guy, clearly. Um, but, uh, but Retzlaff is able to, A, provide competition and, and B, provide a safety net should something go awry, uh, with Keaton Slovis, uh, in this next year. And then, you know, the way the red shirt rules work now, um, he could even play in games and still be available for two more years after that. And, and so you have a solid guy with a lot of reps behind him. Um, so yeah, losing your top two quarterbacks, if you will, although, you know, Jacob wasn't getting reps, it was all Jaron last year, losing your top two. And bringing in two guys with as many reps as you've got um, at you know at, at either the high you know D one P five level or even at JUCO, just the numbers themselves speak for themselves. I think BYU is in good shape there too.
7: In terms of looking ahead to next year, and obviously these are everybody's coming out with their way too early predictions. So let's <laughs> let's let's jump aboard that train. Um, not necessarily wins and losses, but with what we've seen come in in the portal, you know the, the signing class the new defensive coaches, what do you make of the group today that will go into the Big 12?
6: I, I'd be ecstatic with a winning record for BYU next year. Amen. In, in the first year in the Big 12, really. Um, you never want to set you know, too low a bar, but I think really, uh, considering the losses you have, uh, breaking in a new quarterback, although he's got experience as a new quarterback for BYU, um, you know, the, the, those connections take some time to solidify between uh, coordinator and, and quarterback, and, and game plan, and fit, and all that. So if BYU were to find a way to get a winning record next year, the first year in the Big 12, I think I'd be a huge success.
0: Do you have any hot takes you'd like to add? That was our conversation yesterday. My- yeah,
6: the, the, <laughs> the, the older I get, the colder my takes get, I, I think.
0: <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I'll go out on a limb. I'll, I'll uh, carry that branch out. There. I, I, okay. You know, and,
6: and maybe at my age, it's great to still be able to be this excited about something. But I, I just, just – uh, oh. The Big 12 era um, just really gets me going. I, I, I just, I'm just i so excited to get into a, a new situation, be back in a league again where, where the yes. competition, uh, you know, builds and grows in enthusiasm and intensity week to week and year to year. Uh, rivalries form. Uh, familiarity uh, becomes a factor between staffs and styles of play. And, and, and the notion of playing for something is always, uh, is, is always gonna be a great motivator for these guys. Uh, the bowl games get better. Uh, the stage gets bigger, the lights get brighter. And BYU's been in a pretty good spot. I mean, for 12 years of independence, BYU kept a pretty high profile. And, and so credit to the program and everything that went into it to keeping BYU relevant so that it made sense for BYU to be a Big 12 team after all of this, but uh, I, I think it's gonna be great. New venues and new associations and a whole new vibe. Uh, I feel really blessed, uh, you know, when I broke into this, uh, BYU was in the WAC, and from the WAC to the Mountain West, from the Mountain West to Independence, the Independence to Big 12, so four different uh, configurations, you know, over the career that I've been able to cover the Cougs, and in basketball, similarly, WAC to Mountain West, to WCC to Big 12, Pretty four wild. conferences, uh, so BYU's been a lot of bouncing, or done a lot of bouncing around, and and found success at every level, and to be able to move to an even higher uh, plane is is really exciting.
0: Listen, Ames, Stillwater, <laughs> Lubbock, and Morgantown await Greg.
6: Yes, and, be, and believe me, I've, I've, I've been going through uh, all the travel options for next year. <laughs> Who flies where? Where to stay? It's all happening. Yeah.
7: What I'm really hoping is that uh, when BYU plays at Central Florida, that we get like Greg and like Mouse ears, <laughs> like at Disneyland with the crew. Like I'm hoping we get some of those picks.
0: Are you? Do you call yourself a Disney guy? By the way.
6: I uh, used to be, I think. I'd say uh, the, the older the kids got, the less of a Disney guy I became. Uh, to where it's more like, oh, is the line really going to be that long? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just
7: going to sit here. You guys go have fun. <laughs> All right, so so let's switch gears and talk some basketball because there is a big game coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get to specifically the game, we were talking, we played a quote uh, from Coach Pope where he said that he and, and Coach Few are, are certainly both – uh, open to the idea of continuing yeah. to play after this year would you like to see that happen
6: sure um you know when when you leave the west coast conference you leave most of those teams behind but the two teams that will always have perennial value for you uh, for your resume are going to be Gonzaga and St Mary's and and how often BYU wants to go back to Moraga I'm not so sure uh, that's been t- That's What fact, I'm saying. Marag has been tougher than Spokane yes. historically. Well, and New they Hawaii won't year. leave the
7: state of California for a non-conference. <laughs> so,
6: <laughs> so the chance, I'm, I'm probably more likely with Gonzaga than St. Mary's right now. But either way, you know, Gonzaga is always going to be a great game, uh, and and yeah, the schedule will be tough enough in the Big Twelve. You're not going to want to load your non-conference, right? Yeah. But you're you're still going to have some resume high points every year uh, in non-con, and Gonzaga would be a natural, and and, and then beyond that. Um, anywhere in, in California, anywhere that keeps kind of that West Coast vibe with, with BYU fan base that have been so supportive of BYU in the WCC days, I think it'd be great to have as well.
0: Maybe I'm a party pooper. I don't know, I, but for the first two years, I just feel like BYU because the transition is going to be so tough. Yeah, it may not be right Big away 12. this happens. Yeah.
6: but but I, I think I think long term, Coach Hugh and Coach yeah. Pope will always sure. try and keep each other. I, I'm okay yeah. with that. I
0: just, I just want a little break. Yeah, I feel I feel
7: like I feel like it's a Ross and Rachel situation. They need to take a break. <laughs> <laughs>
6: just need a break. And let's also remember that the Big 12 is going to be involved in these interconference challenges every year. Those will obviously be resume high points. Every you'll, you'll have those points already, but Gonzaga will always be a great game for BYU to have.
0: As far as tomorrow's game goes, BYU's metrics in the net—they're better than they have been. Number 89 last I saw. I haven't 88 looked today. Okay, 88. So they yeah. jumped up one spot as yeah. of this morning. 75 in Ken Palm last I saw as well. Those are decent metrics.
6: The U V U the U V U loss moved into Q2, for example. So BYU has in Q3 and Q4 right now. Just the one South Dakota setback that will be the blemish. Good teams have. One, you know, they, a lot of good teams have that bad game that shows up. Hasn't been that way for BYU. They had one last year. Have one this year. Uh, UVU is actually turning out to be not a bad loss at all. The way it turns out, uh, yeah. They, what what a what a win would do? Um, you'd have a winning record in Q1 all of a sudden. Uh, win, and and you'd and you'd be closer to 500 in Q1 and Q2. I think a team that beats Gonzaga with the resume BYU already has is at least an NIT team. I think what it does is it kind of it kind of assures that BYU can think about postseason. Very realistically, uh, with still you know uh, higher hopes beyond that. But uh, yeah, it'd be good in a lot, great in a lot of ways. Obviously,
7: yesterday I interviewed uh, Foose for radio pregame, right. and we were talking about obviously the game. And he brought up how the matchup with Drew Timmy last year really affected him. Like like Timmy had <laughs> such a great game. He he just said I, that that performance has is. Stayed with me, and he's used that as motivation. And looking forward to this matchup, it feels like Drew Timmy's been there for about 13 years. <laughs> yeah, uh, what do you make of the of the matchup against him specifically? Um, in this because he he's just an absolute terror
6: yeah well Fufus is not alone in that feeling uh there are a lot (laughs) of really good post players in college basketball who are dealing with uh ptsd the t for timmy in this case (laughs) Uh, post timmy stress disorder (laughs) (laughs) and 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 so yeah real thing he's he's probably in good company but you know i think mark mark said mark pope said it in his media availability availability yesterday um, I don't know that anyone's had a good answer exactly to how it is you handle Drew Timmy. Uh, Gonzaga's all but unbeatable when he scores even just 20 points, which is kind of an average game for him. I think they're what 36-3 36, uh, 36 and three maybe when he scores 20 or more. It's a crazy number. Uh, and crazy numbers are what kind of Gonzaga specializes in right now. They, you know, they have 91 straight wins over unranked teams. Um, you know, they've, they've even won 34 straight games in January. They don't lose in that. This is their best month. Of all the months they play in, January is their best month. And it's interesting because January is when you assert yourself in your league, right? And, sure. and put yourself beyond everybody else and say, we're going to do it again, which they've always done. Uh, one of the craziest numbers Gonzaga's got going for it. They lost to San Diego, at San Diego, nine years ago. Okay, almost a decade ago, they lost <laughs> at USD. Since then, They're 115-0 against every other West Coast Conference team (laughs) except St. Mary's and BYU. So they will lose to to the league's best teams occasionally, meaning St. Mary's and BYU, but they won't lose to anyone else ever. That's why they just continue to run this league. They never, ever slip up. Again, St. Mary's and BYU will give them good games, and occasionally they'll drop one very rarely. But other than that, forget about it. And that's where everyone else has issues.
0: And Gonzaga got pushed to the limit last week against two non-St. Mary's BYU teams. Double-digit
6: deficits in both games. What happens in the end, though? There they are. They win. They
0: find a way.
6: And BYU knows the heartache. A 14-point lead uh, in Vegas, things couldn't have been going any better. And in a span of about five minutes, the game turned and flipped, and and that was that. They were a remarkable program playing ahead, playing from behind. And again, the rarity of the last couple of games is they have spent so much time trailing. That's not normal for them. And, and it's all matter of degrees, right? But you, you look at Gonzaga from last year to this, they're not the one or two team. They're only the number eight team. Yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, they're not scoring as much. Uh, they're allowing a few more points, but they're still the top shooting team in all college basketball. They're still top ten in scoring. So again, it's really a matter of degrees in terms of is this as good as 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 other great Gonzaga teams? Maybe just a little off, but a little off still means a great Gonzaga program. They'd won nine in a row yeah, coming into nine, this game.
7: Well the three losses all ranked teams, Texas, Purdue, and Alabama.
6: Yeah and, and since they and, and <laughs> since the NCAA yeah. went to the quadrants, they don't have anything other than Q one losses. Yeah. Right, they've never had anything as much as even a Q two loss. I don't believe so. Uh, they've been perfect in you know where they need to be, and so in every way, they're just a juggernaut.
1: The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: What's trending? Presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Transfer Portal Trades and Transitions, let's discuss. Jason, at this time, and we'll get into the nitty-gritty of every move that's been made, but in your opinion, at this time, is BYU a net positive or negative in the Transfer Portal transaction scenario? It's, we're going with as of
7: today, because as we mentioned, a week from today is when the, this current window closes. It closes on the 18th of this month. So, BYU has one week from today to still finagle things, whether you're bringing guys in. I don't think we anticipate anybody else going out, but I guess that's always a possibility. But, you know, getting guys in, you still have some time. Getting a quarterback was priority number one, and BYU did that. They got two. They got two. I love... This of getting Keaton Slovis, That was the guy I wanted as soon as his name was out there and available. That's the guy that I wanted. So I absolutely love having him in, in the quarterback room. So from that standpoint, I think BYU did make sure they, they handled their number one priority in getting a quarterback. Okay. In terms of net positive, net negative, net neutral. Is that what we're going with? Uh, and even, even? Yeah, breaking I, even. I, I, still, I still will lean ever so small to the net negative. Wait, what? And the reason overall. Are you allowed to do that? <laughs> this, does not, this does not coincide with what you usually do. Th- that's what I'm saying, though. There's still time to, still time to <laughs> okay. change it. The reason I'm going to say net negative right now is I think BYU's biggest loss in the portal was on the offensive line. Losing the Barringtons was a big deal, and it yep. is a big deal. We obviously know both of them are now on their way to, to Baylor. So BYU, you know, depending on what the schedule looks like, they're going to be able to see them, you know, up close and personal. I'd I like the guys that brought in one of what you mentioned, Ian Fitzgerald uh, coming in from Missouri State. Um, you know, you've, you've got guys that, that Utah State coming in, um, Lapuaho from Utah State that has transferred in, I, I still think from an offensive line standpoint, yeah. th- they, they aren't what they were before. So for that, right now I'm saying right now net negative. But okay. Just, just
0: on a small degree. Okay. no, hear me out. I'm going to make a comparison here. I feel like as far as the trades go with overall what BYU has lost and now what they have brought in, And this includes Aiden Robbins, who, by the way, was just upgraded to a four-star. We'll take it. So now you've got Ciala Asera, and you've got Aiden Robbins, and Jackson Bowers. Now you've got three four-stars that have come in recently, which is nice. Okay? That's nice. So I feel like we're splitting hairs in terms of overall net loss or gain conversation. But to your point on the offensive line, I feel like BYU football has a nice house. They have a nice house with a lot of nice different things and trinkets and uh, weapons, if you will, hidden in there. Okay, they, can, they can protect the fortress to a degree. But the security system is the offensive line. And I feel like we've downgraded the plan, right? Like we've gone from the premium plan trying to save, save some a little, little money, money. <laughs> and we've downgraded to the deluxe level. <laughs> I don't like it. Okay, so I, I feel like BYU needs something more. Whether it's a miracle that Blake Freeland announces he's coming back to BYU or something like that, then I feel like, okay, we, we opted against downgrading to the deluxe plant and we want the premium so you're, wanting, you're wanting BYU to go out and purchase like a Rottweiler. <laughs> is
1: what you're, something.
7: So yeah, you're wanting a Rottweiler here.
0: Something, yeah. <laughs> because from an offensive line standpoint, it feels like, yeah, the house is nice and it's, we've, we've traded some things, we bought some new things, it's great, got new sofas, got a new TV, great, awesome. You need to protect that stuff, and that is the security system. And I feel like the offensive line, that security system, has been downgraded, Jason. We need to bump it back up to premium level, and maybe that's going out in the transfer portal and finding another power five offensive lineman. I, I like Ian Fitzgerald. I like his metrics. I think pro football focus speaks highly of him. I'm talking about BYU going and grabbing somebody that was at a Power 5 school, yeah. maybe for multiple years, maybe from a school about 45 minutes north of Provo because apparently they've got a few available. Somebody like that because a three-star offensive lineman at a Power 5 program to me feels like a four-star Yeah, yeah, coming I, out of high school, I, right?
7: I, I think from the offensive line standpoint only, BYU still has lost more than it has gained right now. Now, we still don't know how things are going to translate in terms of the guys coming in and how they'll play. We don't ultimately know what the Barringtons are going to do at Baylor. We don't know. But we know what they did here. And so right now, that's, that's the only thing right now that's, that, for me, is saying a net negative. And I also think, BYU Sports Nation, we've learned something about Spencer Linton today. Mm-hmm. Spencer Linton apparently is always going to say yes when he buys something and is offered the extended warranty. <laughs> Peace of mind, Jason. You know, you bought, Peace this, of mind. you bought this very nice piece of electronics. You know, for $39.99, <laughs> you can protect this for another two years. Not true. Spencer's sign me up. But when it comes
0: to protecting your house, <laughs> okay. come on. You go with the premium package. <laughs> BYU needs another offensive lineman to get back to that level. Overall, I feel like it's, you know, again, we're splitting hairs. It's probably 50-50 just all positions. But BYU needs – an offensive lineman, and I think they need another big-time player in the wide receiver room specifically. It hurts to lose Keenan Peely. I feel like Jay Hill and the defensive staff will motivate the good players that are back there. So that's a little bit down the priority list for me. But offensive lineman, wide receiver, just to give some – some depth to that position group, are really what BYU needs. So, I mean, let's discuss. Okay, let's break it down. We, we've compiled every major player that has left and every major player that has come in. So, Jason, I'm going to read the guys that are moving out. Okay. You take the guys that are coming back in. Okay. First, you mentioned the Barrington brothers. That hurts. It stings. Campbell and Clark Barrington, both at Baylor. Keenan Peely, I mentioned, has gone to Tennessee. Terrence Falls now a receiver at Northern Colorado following Ed Lamb and company. Logan Fano. Boy, that one stings. This one hurts. A Losing lot. Fano to Utah. Yes. Dallin Holker, good player. I thought Dallin Holker was going to be an all-time great at tight end for BYU. He, now he's at Colorado State. Jacob Conover, quarterback to Arizona State. Gabe Judy Lally, probably going to end up at Baylor. <laughs> and then Tang bears. I know. And then Tate Romney, legacy family for the Cougars. He has gone to Arizona State. Those are the major players that have gone out. Now we discuss who is back in. All right. We mentioned this right off the top. Quarterback Keaton Slovis coming in, a transfer
7: from Pitt, obviously at USC prior to that. Uh, the running back, Aiden Robbins from UNLV. Uh, the defensive lineman, Isaiah Bagnoff from Boise State. Uh, Offensive lineman Waylon Lapawaho from Utah State. We mentioned earlier in the show, offensive lineman Ian Fitzgerald from Missouri State. You have your uh, defensive lineman Jackson Cravens, also from Boise State. Uh, Defensive lineman Wyatt Daw from Southern Utah. Uh, Just yesterday, you have the quarterback Jake uh, Retzloff, the junior college uh, quarterback from Riverside Community College. Yeah. Almost said uh, country club, uh, and, and then the uh, the place kicker, Will Farron who I will call Will Farrell multiple times, I'm sure, also from Boise State. So those are your those are the players
0: that have come in. All right, look just just the list alone. When I looked at it and I said it out loud to myself, it feels like BYU is broken even, just overall standpoint. We've got to have an offensive yep, line. Yeah, offensive right. line. The Barrington brothers. I mean, Clark Campbell and Clark Barrington probably both four-star offensive linemen at this point. Don't you think? I mean, Clark more so than Campbell, because Clark has had a ton of experience at BYU, but that, that feels like a four-star offensive lineman has left, and Keenan Peely feels like a four-star linebacker has left the program as well. Well, and here's the, here's the other thing. In this I'm probably adding a, a
7: I'm adding something to the equation that probably shouldn't be added to the equation, but when you're losing guys to the NFL, too, I realize you're not losing them to the portal, but, but the fact that you're getting in... You're losing more guys. It makes getting other offensive
0: linemen through the portal even more important, in my opinion. Blake Freeland hasn't committed yet. I'm living that pipe dream until I'm told that he's not coming back to play college football anymore. All right, let's switch
7: gears and move to basketball. Uh, Coach Pope mentioned yesterday that he and Gonzaga's head coach, Mark Few, are both interested in continuing to play each other even after this season. (laughs)
2: Coach Few has been like, hey, anybody that'll play me, let's go. So I think there's a chance we get that game. And he's talked about, you know, we've talked about that before. It's just like, hey, maybe this is something that we continue. I, I don't know when. We'll see.
7: All right. After going
0: to the Big 12, would you like to see BYU schedule Gonzaga? Hey, what's another top 20 net <laughs> opponent, right? BYU's playing 12 different teams next year, or 11 teams next year that are probably all going to be net top 50. Great. You're throwing an, What's another one, Jason? I, I, I am currently not in favor because I know how difficult the transition yeah. is going to be. At some point, yeah, BYU-Gonzaga resuming the rivalry that was formed in the West Coast Conference would be fun. I do not think next year is the year to do it. Maybe not even the first two years. Let BYU breathe a little bit and acclimate to what is already going to be ridiculously hard in the Big 12, before you bring in non-conference series with Gonzaga. I'm fine if BYU essentially makes it a cupcake non-con schedule outside of uh, you play Utah State and Utah. I want all the in-state games for remain. man. I think those are fun. I think those make sense. It's easy travel. It doesn't cost the programs a lot of money. There's histories there. So give me every in-state team for BYU within the Beehive State and – then go and get a bunch of mid tier to lower tier non conference games because you don't need Gonzaga on the schedule. Right. You don't need so Gonzaga does it, on the
7: schedule. Does it change your opinion one way or the other if it's a home and home or say if it's, or maybe if it's a neutral site game? Does it change your opinion on
0: whether you, you would prefer it or not? I would actually prefer a neutral site game. Uh, the home-and-home. Oh, home. really? Yeah, okay. the home-and-home. Home. like, I've done enough. And BYU's going to have enough big home games right. in the Big 12 and enough tough road games in the Big 12. Neutral site game is where I would lean for BYU and Gonzaga. Sure.
7: So, yeah, I mean, I, overall, I'm, I think I'm with you. Right now, I'm perfectly fine to not see Gonzaga for a while, uh, simply because of what BYU is about to undertake Going into the Big 12, we know how difficult it is. We well, know what yes. type of, of conference
0: that is in terms of basketball. What's the benefit? Tell me that. What's the benefit right now of having Gonzaga on the schedule schedules BUA Transition? Look, it, it's Big like
7: 12. when you have like a really, really good piece of chocolate cake, and it's like it's like three different layers of chocolate. And you love chocolate. Sure. You have three layers,
0: it's the best thing. Is it gonna be even better with four layers? No, it's too much it's at pro- that it's point. It's probably too much. I can't finish it. It's too rich, <laughs> too sweet. Now, this is too much. Yeah. Like, I love, I no, love I Gonzaga's program. I think that they're an absolutely unbelievable team, and it's been a fun rivalry yeah. series. It's just too much at this point. Give me a neutral site game a couple of years after BYU gets into the big Yeah, and maybe if you do it, you do it like once every three years. Something like that. It's not like it's an every year thing. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm fine you win know, the rivalry game at some point, yeah. but – not every year, and certainly not in the home-and-home scenario. Yeah. Need a little bit of a breather, in my opinion, from Gonzaga for a while. Yes.
7: And then watch. They'll just join the conference, and then it's, it's going to happen anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so. That's also a possibility. <laughs> All right. We talked football and a little bit of basketball. Our question of the day focusing in on the football side and the transfer portal specifically. Do you feel BYU football is a net positive or negative in the transfer portal right now at Sam Emory 89 on Twitter answers. The quarterback additions alone make it a net positive. BYU has a quarterback for this year and appeared to have a plan for the next few years, courtesy of transfers coming in. Plus great additions on the offensive line, defensive line and running back positions should offset some of those bigger losses. I feel like overall it's broken even, but I still want that offensive lineman, Jason. Give me that offensive lineman. You got a week. You got one more week. Then we have a net gain. Yes, there you go. That's what I'm looking for. I like the way you're thinking.
1: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Here are what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: Yesterday I spoke with ESPN analyst, And college basketball insider, he's also a friend of the program, Sean Farnham, who is on the call for tonight's game with the worldwide leader. Farnham just returned from a trip to England, of all places. So we begin the interview with some travel talk. It's always nice to have a world traveler on the show. Sean Farnham, who recently returned from across the pond, uh, attending to some family matters, but now he's back on the grind with college basketball. Have you slept enough in the last 24 hours, Sean?
8: No. No. No, I haven't. I uh, actually landed like at 1 a.m. Uh, and then uh, a jet lag kind of hit me. I woke up about 5 a.m. and uh, ever since then, uh, I've had the pleasure of watching uh, BYU's last couple of games and getting my <laughs> game prep done for uh, the contest against the Zags and it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's always great to get back to Provo, always exciting to get back to work.
0: Fair to say it's going to be a lit broadcast on your part tomorrow night.
8: As long as uh, you know uh, my man, uh, who's in control of all of the uh, the Cougar tails, uh, brings me over at least one, like all will be all will be good. But if I if I don't get a Cougar tail when I show up, uh, I'll be vastly disappointed.
0: Hey, always great to have you in the Marriott Center. I'm sure that we can line up a Cougar tail somewhere along the line. Uh, the game should be pretty good too. Gonzaga, different team, still awesome, still the favorite. Clearly in the West Coast Conference. BYU is an eclectic group, but we're still trying to figure out who they are. So, Sean, let's start with BYU. How would you identify them as a team right now?
8: Uh, More defensive-minded than offensive-minded, which has not been what we have said in in recent years. Like, I mean, often when I come there, I'm talking about how elite the offense is, and then my concerns that I often express is is their ability to get stops and sustain stops. Um, This team's a little bit opposite of that. They've been much more in tune with what they've had to do with the defensive end of the floor, especially uh, as of late in the last nine games um and that has been the reason why they've had success Uh, I don't think this is an elite level offensive team um by any stretch of the imagination and in particular I you know there's I'm sure you'll ask me but I have concerns with the guard play right now um too many turnovers uh not shooting the ball well enough Williams and Robinson both shooting under 30 percent for the last three games uh combined um that's that's not going to be good enough to to beat a team like Gonzaga uh so they're going to have to play better Um, but I think the one area that is, is different obviously is, is defensively. They're going to be able to keep themselves in games, uh, based on, on their, their effort at that end of the floor. And I think that that's going to serve them well.
0: Along with the guards shooting better and certainly BYU's guards know themselves that they, they need to, what else goes into the formula of how to beat this specific Gonzaga team?
8: Uh, You can't turn it over 15 times. I mean, you, you turn it over, you're giving them free points. Um, you know, th- this is not this is not the yesteryear Gonzaga teams either, though. Uh, I think mean, we saw that over the course of last week when they they got out of town with a a basically buzzer beating win uh, at USF and, and then struggled again um, to to really find any separation against a very good Santa Clara team. Um, and I think there's multiple reasons for that. I think one is let's look at it from the, the WCC perspective overall. And I know obviously final go around uh, for BYU here, but the conference itself is much more committed to wanting to play basketball. Like it's, it's much more committed to feeling like they can win. Um, And I, and I think that's, that shows up with the depth of this conference teams like LMU, a very good team. Like last year was more of an aberration, uh, but you know, two years ago, LMU was pretty good. This year, LMU is pretty good again. Um, I think Pepperdine is probably the most disappointing team in the league because they have so much talent in particular, those three sophomores are just sensational players, but defensively they're not bought in, but St. Mary's is elite. I mean, you, you, you started this by saying clearly Gonzaga is the favorite in the WCC. Yeah. And, and I would I would argue you uh, on that point that actually St. Mary's uh, probably feels like they're the favorite right now. Because Aiden Mahaney, uh, their very talented freshman, has has added a lot to a team that returned a lot. Um, and they have a clear identity of how they want to play. And Alex Dukas has been much better this year, much more consistent. So I, I think St. Mary's feels like they're every bit in in this discussion point of, of a potential WCC championship team. Uh, and then you go to teams like Santa Clara and San Francisco, who walloped ASU and really, for all intents and purposes, should have won the game against Gonzaga last Thursday night, uh, but ended up struggling down the stretch uh, and, and losing that lead late in the game. I think Gonzaga only led for a total of one minute and 45 seconds in that entire game. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's it's a much more committed conference to wanting to win. Obviously, BYU has been always has been a huge part of that and realistically three games away from probably being a top 25 team. I mean, you go back and you take away the Utah Valley loss, um, you know, uh, a couple of the other losses that they had they're, This is easily a team that has only three losses and are sitting there at 16 and three. And I think everybody feels a lot better about where they're at. Uh, but this is a statement opportunity for them on their home floor. First sellout of the year. Uh, the rock is going to be electric as it always is. Uh, one of the best student sections in the entire country. Uh, so it's it's going to be, it's going to be a fight and, and I'm excited for it.
0: Sean, I'm excited for you to see the inflatable tube guys in person that have been added to the rock to distract free throw shooters. I didn't what know. If that-
8: I get distracted during the broadcast though. What if I get distracted? <laughs> will, will, will the BYU faithful, like at least give me that moment of distraction <laughs> and understand that it is a rational distraction?
0: Yeah, and you can blame it on jet lag, too. I got your back. You got plenty of reasons, man.
8: Good. I appreciate it. I might need all of it.
0: I'm glad you brought up the St. Mary's point because, yeah, I said clearly Gonzaga is the favorite, and I probably said that erroneously because as far as metrics go, you look at the net rankings, Ken Palm. St. Mary's is an elite basketball team in in those two metrics. So – How does BYU get in that conversation? Is it even possible for BYU to get in that conversation this season with what's left ahead of them?
8: Sure, they got to go on a run. I mean, you know, I mean, I think that that the winner of the WCC probably going to have two or three losses this year. I don't think anybody's running the table uh, unscathed this year. I just don't think there's enough separation, Um, and I think the grind of conference play will wear on teams. Um, So I, I think it's very much so still in play. Uh, I think that, again, uh, I would look at the two areas of concern I have is is um, production from the guards as far as scoring and efficiency. It doesn't have to be elite level points, but it has to be more much more efficient. Uh, you can't have two guards shooting 27 and 29 percent over three games. That, de- that doesn't work. Um, and then you've got to value the basketball. So your defense is great. But if you imagine what those numbers would be if you weren't turning it over, you know, almost 16 times per game. Like how much better would that defense be if they're getting set and, and, and you know, the point production over these last nine games and 62 points per game and all the rebounding numbers are great. And OK, well, if you just limit your turnovers and they're going against forced half court defense and you guys are set up and the help side is there, all the things that are required to play great defense, those numbers are going to drop under, 50, under 60 points per game. Well, it doesn't even you don't have to be elite at the offensive end of the floor if you're holding opponents under 60 points per game. And this team has the capabilities of doing that if it limits its turnovers from, say, 15 to 11. Those four turnovers that are live ball turnovers, it's not necessarily the turnovers that, you know, you, you kick out of bounds and, you know, goes 18 rows up in the stands. Uh, that Those don't matter. It, the carry, the, the walk, the travel, those don't matter as much. I mean, there's still empty possessions for you at the offensive end of the floor, but it allows you at least to get back and set up your defense. And I think that that will be very key uh for the for for BYU uh as they continue to move forward here in West Coast conference play.
0: You've already touched on the fact that BYU is a better defensive minded team. What else do the Cougars have going for them in your opinion?
8: I think Fuchs has just been great. I mean, you know, I mean they the, he's just so workmanlike in everything that he does. You know, I mean he's 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 not necessarily flashy in any one area. And and I think you know for a star not to be flashy, and he is a star, and I think people need to start a you know, throwing that word around with him just based on his productivity, his efficiency um, and, and what he can do on a night in a night out basis. And you look at his stature and his size and you go, well, this guy should not be able to be effective underneath. But what what motivates him is, is in his heart. And you can see the way he plays is through his heart. And he doesn't mind if you're six, nine or seven feet tall. He doesn't care. Like he's just he's going to outwork you. Uh, he's never going to take a, a possession off. He's not going to take a possession for granted. And I think what happens is when you're when you're around them, all of a sudden things start to like you see start seeing that, and you're like, oh, okay, so so that's how I've got to play. Um, so I think that's been a bright spot. Obviously, Hall has been a, a bright spot as well. His ability to share the basketball, one of the best assist makers as a freshman in all of college basketball. Um, and I think that, that that bodes well, not only for now, but obviously moving forward as the transition uh, continues for BYU. I actually think that this is a good transitional team, um, meaning going from the WCC to the Big 12, because mm. if if you have any inclination that you're going to outscore opponent, opponents in the Big 12, you've lost your mind. Uh, <laughs> if, if you're BYU fans and you're not watching the Big 12 right now, you have no idea what you're in for. And it is elite-level basketball, but elite mainly because of how they are able to defend and how disruptive their teams are at that end of the floor. So if you don't compete at that level, if you don't fight at that level, you have no chance of winning. You know, this This isn't going to Pacific and LMU and Pepperdine and San Diego. Uh, you, you, we're talking Kansas, Texas Tech. I mean, it is it, – it, it is literally punch you in the face – toughness that's going to be needed for this team and this program moving forward. So as you see this transition this year from a a, a program that has historically been really good at the offensive end of the floor and now is still just good. I mean, they're good at the offensive end of the floor, but defensively buying in rebounding with a level of toughness that is going to be needed. I think that bodes well uh, to lay down the foundation uh, for, for, for the next step, because every time you move conference, and I've talked to USC, I've talked to UCLA about it as they, they prepare for now their move uh, to the Big Ten is you have to recruit different. You you have to play a little bit different. You have to adjust what you've done a little bit differently because there are certain styles and systems that may work in certain conferences and then it doesn't travel well. And so you got to figure out how you're going to now work and operate within the landscape that you're, playing, you're going to be playing in. And that starts before you arrive because if you didn't start that process, if you didn't start that buy-in, if you're Mark Pope, Well, then you're going to show up and you're going to get doors blown off you and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, and the fans are going to be upset. And now you're buried and you're trying to reestablish a new identity when it's already too late to establish that.
1: We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
0: Cougar Whip Brown, presented by Mariscure, e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right, how about we uh, throw out some numbers here? Let's do it. BYU finishes
7: 51st in the athletics ranking of the 131 college football team. 51st! Yeah, 51st. Is that fair
0: <laughs> when you look at the season as a whole? Yeah, totally. Like I'll, I'll t- Honestly, I mean, I, I joke with the excitement in my voice about being number 51. But yeah. Yeah, from where BYU was at four and five, Jason. Yeah. And then we're going to finish in the bottom half of college football and not make a bowl game. Like to get to eight and five, win four in a row, finish number 51. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm printing out shirts. We're 51st. We're... <laughs> no, it's fine.
7: It's great. And for the reason that you said, you 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 go from where it was to where it ended
0: up. Yeah that's pretty good is, is the number 51 t-shirt going to be available in jason shepard's rent a swag uh it is and it will be <laughs> available in both navy and in <laughs> jamal williams only one size though schmedium. <laughs> jamal williams is named the <laughs> nfc offensive player of the week awesome led the nfl in rushing touchdowns this season with 17 of course went over a thousand yards broke barry sanders single season touchdown rushing record how will he capitalize on this year's success for next season because he's a free agent? Yeah.
7: See, I didn't realize he was a free agent. I had no idea that he's gonna be on the open market. The way he's gonna capitalize on it is he's going to cash in. Okay. Okay. When you lead the league in rushing touchdowns, especially when you're when you were given the opportunity to, to really be the guy. And I understand, you know, Swift also had carries, but he really took over when they. They wanted and needed a running back to carry the ball. It was Jamal. And so he proved he could carry the load and produce. I don't know if he goes to Detroit. I'm certainly sure at the right price they want him back. Oh my gosh, He's going to
0: capitalize financially on this and he should. Let's put a number value to that because I did the research and right now Jamal is somewhere between the number 17 and number 20 best running back in the NFL, according to ON3. That's worth roughly 4.1 million dollars per year, which would be more than a million dollars per year raise for Jamal Williams. I think the Detroit Lions are going to give him more than that. I think they're going to give him probably two more years and probably five million a year. So, well, attempt- and it's
7: all about the signing bonus too, because that's your
0: only guarantee. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, I would certainly
7: think that the Detroit Lions would want to keep him oh in my the and build
0: off of what they did. He's the most likable person yes. in the game, and he's now producing. Yes why would you not detroit would be crazy not to re-sign jamal williams five million a year take it i'll take it i don't know (laughs) if jamal will i will okay all right
7: yesterday during media availability mark pope had some thoughts on gonzaga's drew timmy still being a part of the gonzaga program
2: freaking drew timmy is i mean how many years does he have left Uh, just go be a pro already um so
0: the,
2: his next step is Columbia yeah, I so so they uh, you know he, he is he's been the the you know face of that program for a decade it seems like and um, and he just is he's one of the best players in the country and he does it his own way and he does it in a way that nobody has successfully figured out.
7: If you had to guess. What year did Drew Timmy graduate high school?
0: Well, knowing that he has another year after this year, Which Jason, if crazy. he wants to come back. Yeah. How wild is that? Yeah, I know. Uh, what, 02? I was going to say 1983, <laughs> so. No, I feel like he's been at Gonzaga forever. Yeah, technically, and this is, because, this is the credit to him because he was so good when he came in as a freshman. Yeah. He looked like a polished veteran player, and he looks older anyway, so his freshman year, he looked like a veteran. 2019 is the answer. 2019 but. is when he graduated from yeah. high school. So it's hasn't been hasn't been at high school that long. But it it feels like he's been at Gonzaga. Seriously, his mark 12 sets for like at least six years. He's been there so long, people are calling him mature. Old man Timmy. Ken Palm currently has Drew Timmy and Gonzaga a four point favorite. Only a four point favorite. 77-73 is the score he's projecting against BYU, giving the Cougars 34% chance of winning the game. How do you feel about the odds for BYU uh, in that regard? I am shocked that it's that small. I would
7: not have expected it to be a four-point favorite for Gonzaga. I would have expected to at least be double that. So I, I don't know if they're... Doing that based off of the fact that Gonzaga, Gonzaga has played some close games recently yeah. Yeah. or they like what they see out of BYU's 1-7
0: of 8, I, I'm not sure why, but I'll, I'm certainly happy to see it. I'm sure that all factors into it. Given what Gonzaga has gone through over the past week, and that's a tough road swing at San Francisco and at Santa Clara against two teams that are pretty good now yeah. in the West Coast yeah. Conference. You find a way, but now you got to come to the toughest road venue, arguably, along with the McE- or McEwen Pavilion uh, at St. Mary's, to come and play a basketball game, like this this is a tough road stretch for Gonzaga. So I get it. I'd probably put the line at about eight points. Yeah, that's kind of what I figured it would start at. Four feels favorable to BYU. Let's go. I, I would take it. All right. Rebecca Ripley's Barbie
7: Girl floor routine from their meet in Las Vegas last week has gone viral. Uh, It's been tweeted out by ESPNW and now featured by People Magazine. Love it. Can you believe that? If you missed it, here's just a small taste. (laughs) (laughs) Movements. Yeah. But, but That's incredible! By the way, that song has been in my head this entire show because we were playing this a little earlier just to like go over the video. It's been in stuck in my head and now that's just reinforced it.
0: <laughs> well, this brings up a bigger conversation, Jason, because a few years ago it was Shannon Hortman Evans and her Super Mario routine, yeah. if you forgot it, here's a little bit of that, that went viral and got picked up by all the magazines and all the social media accounts. How do you argue against Mario? All right, okay, okay, so that's the
7: question. We've now seen and heard both routines that went viral. Which one is your favorite?
0: I'm going with my girl Shannon Horman Evans. That Super Mario routine, and it was because she was an All American at BYU. Rebecca's awesome. If Rebecca becomes an All American and does so with that floor routine, no less. Now we're talking in the same category. For me, that Mario routine, just who Shannon Evans was as a gymnast and all American, she she takes the cake. Look, I'm going with that one simply because it was Super Mario.
7: You're a Mario guy? I love Mario to this day. (laughs) The greatest Christmas
0: gift I have ever received was my original Nintendo back yes. in 1985. Well done, Shepard family, for delivering That's what I'm saying. making that a magical Christmas for yes. you. That
7: is not there that is, is nothing against Barbie Girl or the routine, but I, I gotta go Super Mario
0: Brothers. Finally, the okay. tube guys at the Marriott Center, the inflatable yes. flapping guys to distract free throw shooters from opponents, right? Yes. They need names, Jason. Okay. 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 Especially before tomorrow night's game against Gonzaga. So, what should we name the Tube guys? Yeah,
7: and they're naming them tomorrow. They're they're naming them at the game. It's gonna happen. So they're gonna. So, I have two options, and I'm going back. Speaking of 1985, I'm going back to the 80s for both of mine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My first. Uh, so, my first suggestion is uh, Hans and Franz. <laughs> I think that could be pretty good. And then the one I really, really like, and I know our producer, Ben Bagley, is gonna love this one as well. Tango and Cash. <laughs> okay.
0: This is Brigham Young University. I'm gonna channel my inner Jerem Jordan here and go deep religious roots with this one. It's Brigham Young University. Okay. He had two counselors in his first, first presidency, Jason. Oh, wow. Jason. They were Heber C. Kimball and Willard Richards. It should be Heber and Willard. Come on!
7: (laughs) I feel horrible that I went with Tango and Cash. And and he went with (laughs) Heber and Willard. Let's go.
0: Come on, man. Such a
1: bad person. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: Game night against Gonzaga for BYU men's basketball. Biggest game of the year to date, for sure, and in the Marriott Center. This team, this BYU team, has won eight of nine. And their metrics in the net rankings and in Ken Palm, for all intents and purposes, are better than they've been in a long time. In in the case of the net, Dave, they haven't been higher than what they are right now, which is high 80s, 88, I believe. But we all know that if BYU beats Gonzaga, now the conversation goes to another level. So answer me this question, fill in the blank. BYU beats Gonzaga if... And don't say if they score more points than ah, the Zags. That was
4: number one on my list. <laughs> well, they've got to have fewer turnovers. They've got to kind of do the model of how they beat Utah, which came in with some size and some shooters and some expectations and, and favorites in that game. Uh, they led for 33 minutes by making big shots, controlled turnovers, and they, and they won the rebounds. Uh, BYU is undersized, but they're long. And so uh, maybe the length now trumps the fact that we always say they're undersized because they're one of the better rebounding teams in the country. Yeah, uh, Certainly the best in the WCC. So chase down rebounds, you get extra points. You get hustle points. In this kind of game, you've got to have hustle points. And I think that will be, those, those will be the keys tonight. And then you've got to let the Rock get involved. Uh, when you've got to play good enough so they are engaged. And then let them take over on their end of the floor, especially in the second half when the Zags are shooting into that basket. And the Rock can change outcomes of games. We've seen it before. Yes,
0: several times. You want to know what's crazy in this series between BYU and Gonzaga? One, the Cougars are 6-23 all time against Gonzaga. 6-23. And, <laughs> and BYU has more wins in Spokane, 3, than they do in Provo, which is only two. And then they have the Jimmer game on a neutral site in Denver in the NCAA tournament. That blew my mind, thinking about how many games these teams have played against each other in the West Coast Conference now into the 12th season. Six and 23, more wins in Spokane, the three in a row, than two in Provo. So this is a huge game and opportunity for BYU on their home floor to get a third win against Gonzaga. And this is... And I'm using uh, the words of a friend of ours from ESPN, a gettable Gonzaga team. They're they're not what they have been. They don't have a lottery pick on the roster. They're still so good. And they're the best shooting team in the country. And they just take care of the ball at an elite level, Dave. So I, I agree with you. My number one thing because it has been an issue for BYU all season, is take care of the ball. You just can't give them free points. That's where Gonzaga will absolutely kill you, and they take a four-point lead to a 14-point lead in a minute with those live ball
4: turnovers. how they beat Utah? Rudy Williams had 26 points and yes. zero turnovers.
0: Yes! That is the winning formula. And you've, you've led me into my second point, better guard play for BYU. BYU needs Rudy Williams to be big-game Rudy, and he's been big-game Rudy... In the biggest games, right, against Creighton and Utah, speaking of the recent big games. Right. If he can step up and give BYU better guard play, along with taking care of the ball, now BYU's got a shot. And if they have a shot and this game is close, then the Rock doesn't need much to get going, right? Right. That's how – people always say, like, how did BYU beat Gonzaga in 2020 when they were number two and they had Corey Kispert, and they did have a bunch of lottery picks. It's like – Well, they got the crowd involved early. I mean, that place was electric. It was
4: crazy. They're looking for something. You know, they're back. They just got back into school. Uh, The place is sold out. Just give them Something, something.
0: Something. And BYU couldn't do that last year. Got the doors blown off of the Marriott Center when Gonzaga came in with Chet Holmgren and company. And it was not close from two minutes into the game. So... Just keep the crowd engaged by keeping it close, and then things can get weird. And and keeping it close, I agree with you. Taking care of the ball, better guard play from Rudy Williams, Spencer Johnson, Jackson Robinson. It's not, you know, I mean, this next-level math that we're talking about. It just
4: you need to shoot the ball better, and the guards need to do it. you got to take care of the ball. I talked to Jimmer this week, and he said, here's my key. He goes, BYU can't go into scoring droughts. He goes, Gonzaga's going to consistently score. So BYU can't go three, four, five minutes without points because then you're going to get the separation. He goes, they're really good, and so it's hard to catch up once you fall behind. But if you stay with them consistently, you got a chance to win the game. And I thought that was an interesting point for a guy who beat Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament for BYU's first win uh, against uh, the Bulldogs. It was also uh, what? The second to last game that they played before joining the WCC. And they've had to deal with Gonzaga ever since. And then Dave Rose told me yesterday, and he'll be up to the game tonight, he said the fact that they went into Spokane and beat them three times, which no one does, uh, will have their attention. So they come down, and Drew Timmy said some nice things this week as well. The Zags come down knowing this team's been a thorn in their side. Yes. Even though they haven't taken championships away from them. But they've been thorns in their side, and so the Zags know they have to bring it to answer everything we've already talked about. That's what makes it a cool tip-off and something you got to watch, because no one really knows what's going to happen.
0: Gonzaga is still a top-ten team, but they are not number one or number two, which is where they have lived for what feels like the past four years. It is unbelievable what Mark Few and that program have done to remain not just consistently awesome, but elite like a top three team for the better part of four years. That is so tough to do in college basketball, but they, again, again they do not have a lottery pick in their roster. They have shown some weaknesses. Uh, the, again, their three losses, all understandable against really good teams, but they looked a little bit vulnerable against San Francisco and then against Santa Clara and, both of those teams, to their credit, got their own crowds involved. They made some shots. They had good guard play. This is the formula. Santa Clara and San Francisco have shown BYU what they need to do. Can BYU
4: go out and execute? Isn't it interesting that when you have NBA players, you're just better than everybody else? <laughs> <laughs> you can go back to Danny Ainge's group and, and the NBA players that were on that 81 team that went to the Sweet 16. And then the next time they go to the Sweet 16 not until Jimmer, and Jimmer, a lottery pick in the NBA, and then he's played all over the world. When you get these elite players, it's amazing how everything's just much easier. Yeah. And the Zags don't have that kind of a group this year where they've had it in the last four, five, six, seven. Wow. Forever. Crazy. So it feels. Crazy. That's why tonight's game's going to be pretty cool. So here's the second question. Mm. Uh, a win tonight for BYU. What does it mean in the big picture for the Cougars? I know that most BYU fans want to hear
0: me say, oh, they're an NCAA tournament team, Dave, but even a win over number eight Gonzaga is not going to put BYU back in Joe Lenardi's bracket and in the brackets of all the projections. It will put BYU in a conversation where, huh, okay, well now BYU's beaten Creighton and Utah and Dayton and Gonzaga. Maybe that loss to South Dakota was an aberration. And so now BYU is being discussed as, you know, a fringe bubble team and an NIT team. Like if BYU beats Gonzaga, now the NIT is like, okay, yeah, BYU is a team that certainly could make their way into the NIT. They would be 14 and 6. And you're pacing for a home game uh, against Pepperdine on Saturday, where you could get to five and one in conference and be 15 and 6. all good things. 20, probably a 20 spot jump in the net rankings. Again. To get to be a fringe bubble team, that's what a win over Gonzaga would do. But I think most importantly, it would probably convince this BYU team that, huh, maybe we can be a top three team in the West Coast Conference this year. Yeah. It's, to me, the biggest thing that they would gain is confidence that they can go and beat anybody in the West Coast Conference and St. Mary's is going to be a bear, Gonzaga's obviously a bear, San Francisco, Santa Clara, LMU already
4: beat BYU. This is is a really tough conference in the top five, six teams. I think if they win tonight, we may have to step back and reevaluate this team. They will have had the same number of wins as Gonzaga after tonight, if they win tonight, 14, Uh, and six defeats. uh, With a, a couple of tough defeats, but like you said, they have a couple of nice wins. But if they beat Gonzaga, maybe we have to sit back and go, hey, wait a second. We've been sold right from the start that this is a work in progress, an adventure every night. And Mark Pope's done a nice job doing that. And you know what? They have been an adventure every night. But lately, they seem to have found themselves. They were 5-5. Five and five. Now they're what? 13-6. and six. Yes. Um, if they beat Gonzaga, maybe tomorrow morning we're going, you know what? maybe we set aside this mediocrity bubble that we've put them in. Yeah, and we have. And let them play and see what happens. Um, but, it, but then it's like, okay, now prove it against Pepperdine. You know, It's almost like the fan base has got to be, we're so convinced this group's average <laughs> that you've got to prove it to us. The Dayton, now oh, that was Dayton Blue, their 23-point lead. Uh, the Utah, well, I don't know about in Utah. Utah. Um, you know, losing to LMU, I thought, was a very disappointing loss. The yes. The way they handled it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, well, wonder how they're going to beat San Diego. And then they're up 20 points, you know, a few minutes into the game or so. And you're, like, going, huh, Thursday's team's different than this team. Uh, what, what, what team is it? But if they win tonight, I think we have to look back and go, mm. wait a second. Maybe. Maybe they're contenders in the WCC. Not pretenders or just tied for third place like uh, what what the preseason prediction was. I think that'll be fascinating. Yes,
0: absolutely. We're forced to ask that question again. And speaking of questions, our question of the day is a fill-in-the-blank. BYU beats Gonzaga tonight if, at Borschtire answers on Twitter, if the Cougars have 20-plus turnovers, 4-1, and baby. That's also (laughs) just... An absolute aberration, strange statistic. BYU, Dave, when they turn the ball over twenty or more times, are four and one this season. That's
4: one of the. It's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. (laughs) Do you think at halftime, Mark Pope ever writes that number on the board? Guys, we're not turning it over enough.
0: I want to go there. I want to see five turnovers out of the gate. That is hilarious. Man, (laughs) I think we're all trying to figure out if this team is fool's gold or if there's actual gold in there,
4: right? Yeah. Yeah, well said. We'll see you tonight. Yes, we we'll will. We'll see you tonight.
1: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
4: The Cougar
0: Whip Round presented by Maresk, your e-commerce logistics shipping
4: partner. The Jets are parting ways with offensive coordinator Mike LaFleur. Mm. And an early rumor is they might bring in Darryl Bevel from Miami. Okay. Is the change in the OC just what Zach Wilson needs? Yes, it's what
0: all of the quarterbacks in New York need. And certainly, if they're going to bring in somebody like Jimmy Garoppolo, too, to be the starter and then Zach is the backup, you need a clean slate somewhere, and it's probably with the offensive coordinator. Now, the Jets did say that they're not firing him he just was being pursued by some other teams, so they opened up the door for him, but when I'm reading between the lines, I'm like, no, they, it, this is a mutual separation, Can't the Dave. Jets just
4: make a decision? <laughs> you're, our, you're our OC or you're out. You're our quarterback or you're not. Uh, it didn't work with any of the quarterbacks, this offensive coordinator. So yeah, change him out first. You're not paying him $35 million. Change him out and try to work with the guy who you are paying yes. $35 million. And see if Zach can get his game back, get some experience. If they bring in somebody else to help Zach along the way, he's a young kid. You know, yes. we don't need to throw a guy out because he's what, 24, 25? How old Zach? Not even that. I think like, that? maybe 24. We wrap him up and throw him out of the NFL because he wasn't great in two no. years.
0: No, change it up. Go get an offense coordinator. And if it is Daryl Bevel, He's got some BYU ties. His daughter, Morgan, played softball at yeah. BYU. He's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and he did fantastic things with Tua Tagovailoa in Miami this sure season. Sure He helped sure did. that guy find his confidence after a very, very shaky start to his NFL
4: career. I might put my Jet shirt back on okay, <laughs> if I see that they're actually helping Zach be better. Yes. Hey, I know you want an Atlanta Falcons shirt after what <laughs> Tyler Algier has
0: done in the ATL. Listen to these numbers over the last four weeks of the NFL season. 431 rushing yards, first in the league. 331 yards after contact, first in the league. 25 first downs, that's first. 24 missed tackles for also first. 11 runs of 10 plus yards, first in the league. Will Tyler Algier take the next step and be a 1,200
4: yard rusher next season, not just 1,035? I'll take it one step further. Will he be a first round draft pick in fantasy football leagues around
2: Ooh! America? I
4: think he's got a shot. Okay. Atlanta needs to give him the ball. If they gave him the ball as much late as, as they didn't give him early. Yeah. You know, he got the ball a whole lot as you mentioned in those stats. If they started the season, then they didn't know. They thought maybe he's gonna be. No, it was Cordero Patterson. But give him the ball the whole season long and see where those numbers go. He has a knack for staying healthy. We saw that at BYU. His durability is awesome. And we saw it this season. And uh, he's exciting.
0: Yeah, at the worst, he's a second or third round fantasy football draft pick, Dave. This is this is great. Yeah, 1,200, because he's
4: going to get the ball more early and more often in those games. Selfish BYU in me, fan in me, might be saying, hey, look, what if Algier was getting ready for his senior season at BYU? <sighs> having ran this season. Because remember, he left with two years yeah. of eligibility. He made the right decision. But now he's in the foul. He made the right he totally decision. Did. He totally did, and we wish him nothing but success.
1: That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific,
0: on BYU TV and BYU Radio.